Joe Biden jumps into the race. House Democrats seek more investigations and the 2020 Democratic candidates desperately seek attention. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, this is my last podcast of the week, so we better make it a good one. And today is the day Joe Biden officially announcing his jump into the race. We'll get to his entire announcement. We'll analyze it, break it down, discuss where I think he falls in the vast pantheon of Democratic candidates. But first, in 2008, the U.S. national debt was $10 trillion. Today, the debt is nearly $22 trillion. It is rising like a hockey stick. If you don't think that we are sitting on a house of cards, you're living with your head in the sand. But since you're listening to my podcast, you are smarter than the average bear. So what exactly is your plan? Can you afford another hit to your retirement like the last downturn when the S&P dropped 50%? You know, it is worthwhile diversifying your portfolio no matter how you do it. And one of the things you should diversify into is precious metals. Hedging against inflation and against uncertainty and instability with precious metals, it's a pretty good idea. Gold is a safe haven against uncertainty. My savings plan is diversified and yours should be as well. The company I trust with precious metal purchases is Birch Gold Group. Right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver, which is perfect for people who want to protect their hard-earned retirement savings from any future geopolitical uncertainty. Look back historically, when the bottom falls out of everything else, gold does tend to safeguard savings. Birch Gold Group has thousands of satisfied customers, countless five-star reviews, and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Contact Birch Gold Group, get a free information kit on physical precious metals today. See if diversifying into gold and silver makes sense for you. Text BEN to 474747. Again, text BEN to 474747. BEN to 474747 for the comprehensive 16-page free kit. Check it out. BEN to 474747 to check out my friends at Birch Gold Group. All righty. So Joe Biden is now officially into the race. Now, there was a lot of controversy earlier this week over when he was going to jump in the race, but this had been the plan since late last week. He was going to drop an online video, and then next week, he's officially going to launch his campaign in Pittsburgh at some sort of union hall, which is smart. Now, the Joe Biden campaign is basically apparently going to be run on the basis that Joe Biden is a return to normalcy. I know. It's weird. Joe Biden, under any definition, would not be a return to normalcy. He's a gaffe machine who says dumb things all the time. He's a very controversial figure, historically speaking. He has a long record as a senator and as vice president of the United States. And if the focus is on Joe Biden, he doesn't look nearly as good as when the focus is not on Joe Biden. And so Joe Biden is going to run a campaign that looks kind of like Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016. Namely, he's going to put all the focus on Donald Trump. The entire focus is going to be on Donald Trump. Now, it didn't work for Hillary. The reason that it didn't work for Hillary Clinton is because Hillary herself was a widely hated figure. She was much more hated than Joe Biden ever has been, mainly because Joe Biden has been a political afterthought for most of his career. Even when he was vice president, Joe Biden was never considered a political force. He was considered a career political guy who had failed a couple of times at running for president, completely blew up in 2008 on platform. So you know, the idea that Joe Biden is as threatening as Hillary Clinton is simply not true. So the question is, can Hillary Clinton's campaign win without Hillary Clinton? That's really the question. And after several years of President Trump being president, is the American public finally going to engage in a referendum on Trump or will this become a referendum on Joe Biden? Now, as I've said for a long time about this election cycle, if this is a referendum on Democrats, Democrats lose. If this is a referendum on President Trump, he is not a popular president. He is in bad shape if it's a referendum on President Trump. Joe Biden, the thinking seems to be, Will be a, would create a referendum on President Trump simply because most Americans are kind of comfortable with the old quirky guy who is VP under Barack Obama by polling data. Anyway, now there's a couple of problems with this. One is that Joe Biden is a human with a record, that Joe Biden actually has a pretty long record of his own. We'll get into that in just one second. The other thing is that people seem to have forgotten 
that Barack Obama was ever president. I know it feels like it's been 35 years since Barack Obama was president, but it really, in, in reality, has only been a couple of years since Barack Obama was president. And Joe Biden was there for all of it. And so, as we'll see, I think there are a couple of fruitful lines of counterattack that President Trump could use against Joe Biden. Suffice it to say that in the early polling, the first polling, Joe Biden against Donald Trump, Joe Biden has a significant edge on Donald Trump. According to Morning Consult this morning, as Biden prepares to enter the race, a Morning Consult political poll conducted April 19th through 21st among 2,000 registered voters found Biden leading the president by eight percentage points in a hypothetical matchup, 42% to 34%, which leaves a bunch of voters on the table. You may be saying to yourself, wait a second, 42 and 34, that is only 76%. Where are the other 24% of voters? And the answer is they haven't decided yet, which is not great news for President Trump, frankly, because the fact that there were a lot of undecideds going into the 2016 election was good news for President Trump, because again, the focus was on Hillary Clinton. The fact that President Trump is the incumbent president and he is riding at 34% in polls against Joe Biden is not good news for the president. Not going to sugarcoat that. Biden has a significant edge over Trump among women, 17 points, millennials, 22 points, and independents, 10 points. That last one is the one that matters. Of course, there's going to be a massive gender gap for President Trump. There always has been. Millennials do do despise President Trump by polling data. It was one of my great fears when Trump was elected is that he was going to poison the well with millennials. Among independents, that's really where the question lies. And independents, if this were Bernie versus Trump, it would look a lot closer because independents would look at Bernie and they'd say, okay, well, As much as Bernie wants this to be a referendum on Trump, Bernie is a human with views, and those views are radical. Joe Biden is sort of seen as a wet dish rag. And so if it's a wet dish rag versus Trump, that doesn't favor Trump, actually. Trump garnering roughly one third of the vote in the early head-to-head test pales in comparison to the last incumbent president. At this point in 2012, Barack Obama led Mitt Romney by several points. He was pulling consistently in the mid to high 40s, even after he got blown up in the 2010 election wave. Biden has also held a consistent lead in morning consult weekly tracking among likely Democratic primary voters. Three in 10 say that Biden is their top pick, followed by 24% for Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Now, I've been saying for a while, I think that Joe Biden's best day is his first day. And so this is his best day. Congratulations, Joe Biden. This right here is your best day. The reason it is his best day is because nobody is looking at his record today. Nobody is looking back at all the stupid things that he has said. He has not been on the campaign trail for even a moment yet. And that means that the only message we have from Joe Biden at this point is his video message. So let's jump into Joe Biden's video message. So he releases a three minute video. We're going to analyze it in full. And then we're going to talk about how exactly all of this plays into the 2020 field. So Joe Biden's campaign message is him talking into camera juxtaposed with footage of Charlottesville. Now, you knew the Democrats were going to use Charlottesville to its fullest effect. Of course they were. It was Trump's lowest moment of his presidency. Now, I know. Listen, there I know there are a lot of people who are trying on the right to engage in what I consider to be revisionist history about what President Trump said about Charlottesville. He did not say there were good Nazis, but what he did say is that there were good people on both sides of the marches in Charlottesville. This was simply not true. The people who were marching in Charlottesville around the statue, it was not a bunch of nice people who showed up to march with Richard Spencer. This thing was identified as a Unite the Right rally that was led by alt-right white supremacists. And when President Trump said this, it was a huge mistake. He knew it at the time. He apologized for it. Then he moved back in the other direction. I'm going to play you the full clip of President Trump talking about it. People are trying to say he meant there were people on both good people on both sides of the Confederate statue debate. If that's what he had said, I would have not only had no problem with it, I would have agreed with it. But that's not really what he said. What he said is there were good people marching who's specifically referring to that Friday night. So here's what the president said. You 
had a group on one side and you had a group on the other and they came at each other with clubs and it was vicious and it was horrible and it was a horrible thing to watch. I think there's blame on both sides and I have no doubt about it and you don't have any doubt about it either. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. Okay, so that last, okay, so that last comment, people are now taking that out of context on the right and suggesting that Trump was not talking about the protesters who showed up. He was talking about writ large Confederate statues. Okay, that is not accurate. Okay, that, that is just not what he said at the time. And so I am, I am loath to rewrite history in favor of, of President Trump, specifically because that, again, I want to read you the entire transcript. Okay, here is what he said. This is the entire transcript. I think there is blame on both sides. You look at both sides. I think there is blame obje- objectively on both sides. I have no doubt about it. You don't have any doubt about it. If you reported it accurately, you would say the neo-Nazis started this thing. They showed up in Charlottesville. Excuse me. They didn't put themselves down as neo-Nazis. You had some very bad people in that group. You also had some very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. Okay, then he moved on to his discussion of generalized statues and the taking down of those statues, an issue about which I largely agree with President Trump, but I don't, I'm not going to buy the rewriting of history just for partisan purposes. So that is not what President Trump said when he says, find people on both sides. He was not specifically talking about the generalized debate, a proposition with which I agree. He was talking, I mean, he, he referred to the pictures of the violence. He talked specifically about the night that he was talking about. I've yet to identify the nice people who are marching with Richard Spencer that night. Okay, end of story. So that is a fair hit. It is also fair to note that the Democrats have then taken this and blown this up into President Trump has widespread sympathies for the alt-right. That is not true. He is disassociated from the alt-right, forcibly so. And he has fired everyone in the White House who is even remotely associated with the alt-right. I'm looking at you, Steve Bannon. The president of the United States has been more strongly against anti-Semitism than any president in recent memory. He's been more against anti-Israel sentiment than any president in recent memory. And the Democrats, as we'll see, who are calling upon President Trump and trying to label him an anti-Semite, these are the same people who are defending Ilhan Omar, an open anti-Semite at the same time. So I am not somebody who takes winking and nodding at the alt-right with a grain of salt. I think that was very bad. I think President Trump did that early in his presidency. I think he did it during his campaign. But that is not what he is right now. Now, with that said, is it a smart tactic for Democrats to use Charlottesville against the president? Of course, it forces him onto the defensive. Now we're going to get Republicans rehashing those comments for the next week. That's really not what they should be doing. So we're going to play Joe Biden's ad in just one second. We'll discuss the ad and then we'll discuss how President Trump really should respond to Joe Biden as Biden jumps into the campaign. First, let's talk about your stress level. With stress and anxiety, many people often feel exhausted during the day. Then it's time to go to bed and you can't fall asleep. Well, this is where Calm comes in. We are partnering with Calm, the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and stress and help you sleep better. More than 40 million people around the world have downloaded it. If you head over to calm.com slash Ben, you'll get it 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day. There are also sleep stories, which are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax. You head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry or explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. You'll be out like a light. You can even use this on your kids, by the way. They even have soothing music and more. Right now, my listeners, Ben Shapiro listeners, get a 25% off 
a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash Ben. That is C-A-L-M dot com slash Ben. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Ben. Get Calm. Stop stressing. I know everybody is too stressed out, and this is why you should be using Calm. Check them out right now and get 25% off a premium subscription at calm.com slash Ben. C-A-L-M dot com slash Ben. Okay, so finally, at long last, President... Okay, so Vice President Joe Biden jumping into the race. His ad, as I say, is focused on Charlottesville. Here's what it sounds like. Charlottesville, Virginia is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Okay, so very important thing that Joe Biden is doing right here, strategically speaking, and it is separating him off from his own party. I have been saying in my book tour, I've been saying for a long time, there's a difference in vision in this country. One vision of America is that America has these wonderful founding ideals and we have not always lived up to them. And the other vision of America is that America is founded on terrible, horrible, no good, very bad ideals and that we have lived up to them and we have to abandon those ideals. Joe Biden is running squarely in that first lane. Now, there may be a silent majority of Democrats who still agree with that first lane, which would be great. I mean, those are the same people who I am trying to appeal to, too, because I think that that's an important message, that America is inherently great. But what Joe Biden is actually saying is make America great again. Right? He's saying make America great again because America was already great. America had great ideals. We haven't lived like he's this is a conservative message that he's pushing out there right now. How is that going to play? in an intersectional primary where every other candidate in the Democratic Party is complaining that America is inherently rooted in evil, in racism, sexism, bigotry, homophobia. How is that going to play? Joe Biden is running squarely in the moderate lane right now. But remember, there's only the first 30 seconds of his candidacy. So what happens when he comes under attack? Does he abandon all of that? Remember, this is smart, what Joe Biden is doing here. He's running the Barack Obama 2008 campaign, not the Barack Obama 2012 campaign. Is that going to play in the Democratic Party of Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris and Ilhan Omar? I have my doubts. Joe Biden continues. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there on August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging and burying the fangs of racism, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans and a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Okay, so this is where Joe Biden is making his pitch, right? Joe, that, that, that Donald Trump has undermined the spirit of America with Charlottesville. He is taking for granted a couple of things. And I think those things cannot be taken for granted. In a second, I'm going to explain what he's taking for granted and why I think that he's overstating his case. Okay, so what he is saying from the very beginning, right, is he makes that conservative pitch. That conservative pitch is that America is founded on these great ideals. We haven't always lived up to them. And then Charlottesville is a betrayal of those ideals. Okay, agree with that. He's taking a couple things for granted. Thing number one that he is taking for granted. 
The idea that Charlottesville is indicative of a broad, widespread mentality among Americans. I do not think that is true. I do not think most Americans think that is true. He is in danger of stepping into the same minefield that Hillary Clinton stepped into when she suggested that all supporters of Donald Trump were effectively white supremacists and deplorables. Remember that she called everybody deplorables who supported Donald Trump in the last election cycle. This is a huge mistake because the vast majority of people who support Donald Trump do not do so because of Charlottesville. They do not do so because they think that Donald Trump is in favor of white supremacy. So Joe Biden is in serious danger of falling into that trap. Problem number two, Joe Biden happens to have picked as his lead indicator of Trump's evil this march, which was replete with anti-Semitism. One problem, the Democratic Party is steeped in anti-Semitism at the moment. The first time Joe Biden mentions this, don't you think that President Trump is going to say to him, okay, Joe, what do you have to say about Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib? Anything, like any words on Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. I'm the most pro-Israel president in American history. I have Jewish grandchildren. Do you really believe that I'm an anti-Semite? You've known me my entire life. Do you believe I'm an anti-Semite? And if you're saying I'm soft on anti-Semitism, let me ask you a question, Vice President. Why is it that you served under an administration that endorsed the Iran deal and lied about the American public in order to do so? Why did you work for an administration that was so wildly anti-Israel, their Defense Department was instructed not to provide weaponry to Israel in the middle of the Gaza war? Why do you side with a Democratic Party that has made excuses for Ilhan Omar, a raging and open anti-Semite, and Rashida Tlaib, a raging and open anti-Semite. You got any words on that whatsoever? Trump's got some pretty good comebacks here, and Joe Biden is opening, opening himself up wide to them. Now, again, he is hoping that his focus on Trump means that Trump becomes the subject of the public's referendum. But Joe Biden is very vulnerable in these areas as well, and Trump has not yet begun to fight. Okay, let's continue with the ad. Find people on both sides. With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. Unlike any he has seen in his lifetime? Dude lived through the 60s. In the 1970s, he came out in favor of segregation to a certain extent. He suggested that forced busing, which was a bad idea, was a bad idea not because it was ineffective and not because it forced children to shuttle hours on end on buses, but it was bad because it might undermine black segregationist pride. And this is something that Joe Biden actually said during the 1970s, according to the Washington Examiner. Right, here's a quote from 1975. He, sa he said that the concept of busing that we are going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and learn to grow up with one another and all the rest is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride, said Biden. Desegregation was a rejection of the entire black awareness concept where black is beautiful, black culture should be studied, and the cultural awareness of the importance of their own identity, their own individuality. Is that something Joe Biden was saying way back when? So this is the worst time he's ever seen for American racism? Truly? All Donald Trump has to do to respond to this is show video of Ferguson in Baltimore. This is the right now. This is the worst. This is what you said. This is where you said I have to draw the line. I mean, let's let's not be too naive about this. Basically, Joe Biden decided he was going to run for president the moment that Donald Trump was elected and he was the next guy on the shortlist for Democrats. That's all. He seriously considered running in 2016. And only when he didn't receive Barack Obama's endorsement did he decide not to. Hilariously enough, by the way, a lot of people have been wondering, is Barack Obama going to endorse Biden? The answer apparently is no for the moment. Apparently, Biden's people are out there, I kid you not, walking around and saying with a straight face that Joe Biden was offered Obama's endorsement and rejected it because he wants to see how his candidacy plays on his own. Sure, 
And I turned down an NBA contract yesterday because I don't want to humiliate all the other players. I want to show my magic b-ball skills just on a court by myself. I want to show you how I can 360 windmill dunk without, you know, having to humiliate the seven footers in the NBA. Other than that, I totally would have taken the NBA contract. Sure, Joe Biden. Sure. Okay, Joe Biden continues. I wrote at the time that we're in the battle for the soul of this nation. Oh, that's even more true today. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. But if we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. So the the character of the nation. So this is, in fact, the best attack on President Trump because the economy is good. His policy has been good. The best attack on him was always going to be a character attack. And Biden is not making the character attack about the fact that the dude slept around with porn stars or something. He's making the character attack about he's changed who we are. This is his entire campaign. Now, there are some people who find this inspirational and they feel like, okay, this is the return to normalcy. Trump is an aberration, something weird. On the other hand, On the other hand, Barack Obama used to use the who we are nonsense all the time. He would suggest who we are is not people who get upset about the Ferguson riots. Who we are are people who wonder about the root causes of the Ferguson riots. He would constantly be using the phrase who we are to describe basically his own political viewpoint. It gets very tiresome very quickly. Right now, as I say, the shine is still on Joe Biden. Joe Biden is still a guy with gravitas, served as vice president for eight years by most accounts of people who know him, is a nice guy. But with all of that said, his his campaign is not going to be this for for the next two years. His campaign for the next two years can't be, well, we're going to go back to a better time in America when I was VP. Because was it a better time? Or were we just as divided and the economy was worse? Were we just as divided and you were shipping billions of dollars in cash to the Iranians? There's a lot of vulnerability here. Launch videos always look pretty good. And I will say that Joe Biden is doing something different in his launch video. He's talking about the character of the country, which lends a gravitas and a weight to his video that doesn't exist in, for example, Mayor Pete's video, which is all about, hi, I'm Mayor Pete and I'm from South Bend. (laughs) You're not getting that from Biden because we all know his record. But I am not sure it's going to play over the course of two years as well as Biden thinks it will. In a second, we'll get to the rest of Biden's campaign launch video and we'll talk about how it plays for the rest of the Democrats. First, you've heard me talk about how Ring is reinventing home security with doorbells, cameras, even an alarm you can install yourself. Now they're reinventing the Neighborhood Watch. They have a new app they created called Neighbors by Ring. You remember the Neighborhood Watch? It's been around for a while. It helps you know when there's crime happening in your area. Well, now Ring has something similar. They've reinvented the Neighborhood Watch with the Neighbors app. It's like the new Neighborhood Watch on your phone. People taking stuff off porches, trying doorknobs late at night, missing dogs. The Neighbors app sends real-time notifications to your phone whenever one of your neighbors posts a heads-up about something that's going on, which helps keep you informed. The Neighbors app by Ring is completely free. Anyone can join, even if they don't own a Ring device. I've downloaded the Neighbors app. I do check it regularly to see what the crime rates are like in my area, more than crime rates, specifically anecdotal things that are happening in my area. I'm shocked by the amount of crime in my area, frankly, because Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles is terrible at his job. But in any case, you need to go check out the Neighbors app Right now, check out the Neighbors app yourself. The easiest way to get it going is ring.com forward slash Shapiro. That is ring.com forward slash Shapiro. Make your neighborhood safer today with the Neighbors app by Ring. That's ring.com forward slash Shapiro. It's a great app. Ring has lots of great products. Go check them out right now. Ring.com forward slash Shapiro. All righty. So we're continuing with Joe Biden's ad. So the case that he has made thus far, America was already great. A very conservative case. 
Charlottesville was a betrayal of that. Donald Trump is Charlottesville. That connection is specious. And then finally, he gets to, and that's why I jumped in the race, because I felt like this was a crisis unlike any other, which, of course, is what every politician always says. It's the most important election of our lifetime. I needed to jump in because we were at crisis point. We're not at crisis point. This isn't the most important election of our lifetime, other than it's an election that is happening now, and you can't vote in the one from 2016. In any case, here is Joe Biden continuing. The core values of this nation are standing in the world, our very democracy, Everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Folks, America is an idea, an idea that's stronger than any army, bigger than any ocean, more powerful than any dictator or tyrant. It gives hope to the most desperate people on earth. It guarantees that everyone is treated with dignity and gives hate no safe harbor. It instills in every person in this country the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can achieve if you work at it. That's what we believe. And above all else, that's what's at stake in this election. We can't forget what happened in Charlottesville. Even more important, we have to remember who we are. This is America. Okay, and that's his entire ad. Now, here's the thing about that ad. There's not a word in that ad just reading it. There's not a word in in that ad, aside from his characterization of this is the greatest crisis we've ever faced and Charlottesville is America and all this kind of stuff. And Trump is fundamental. All that stuff is wrong. But the main message of the ad, I agree with all of that. You probably agree with all of that. That's why I say Biden is running in the moderate lane, even though his historic record is not particularly moderate. He's running in that lane, right? That last uh, perfect example. So Joe Biden, when he talks about America as an idea and all the great things we've done in the past, the stock footage that he uses is stock footage of Marines landing on the beaches during Normandy or at Guadalcanal. And then he juxtaposes that with MLK and the civil rights marchers. Now, there's a thing that all the other Democratic candidates have done in their video that Joe Biden did not do in this video. All the other Democratic candidates then flash to some sort of gay pride parade or something, right? Then they flash to the, the rainbow flag on the wall of the White House or something. Joe Biden specifically does not do that. That's a choice. I promise you, somebody in his campaign said to him, Joe, we don't want that in there. Why? Because you used to oppose gay marriage. We don't want that in there. Why? Because you are trying to appeal to blue collar voters in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Michigan, not to Upper East Side liberals in New York and Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles. I promise you that's something that happened. So Joe Biden is running that campaign. Now, how is that campaign going to play with the with the progressive wing of the Democratic Party? Biden is hoping that the progressives savage each other, that there are 10 people in that lane. He's the only person in the moderate lane and he walks away with the nomination. That's not a terrible strategy. It really is not. But all guns are now going to train themselves on Joe Biden. Joe Biden is everything that the that the radical base of the Democratic Party despises, not just dislikes, despises. So, for example, the Justice Democrats came out today and they put out a tweet saying they are not going to endorse Joe Biden. They said, quote, Joe Biden is out of touch with the center of energy in the Democratic Party today. Now, notice that language, the center of energy. And I think that's correct. The center of energy is not with Joe Biden and his sort of moderate view of America as a fundamentally great place that we have not always lived up to. That's a conservative view. Most people on the left do not believe in this. So they say Democrats future, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, free college, rejecting corporate money, ending mass incarceration and deportation. Right. That is what they say the future is. Joe Biden voted in favor of the Iraq war. He voted for Bankruptcy Reform Act. 
He voted for mass incarceration. In fact, he helped author it in 1994. He voted against school desegregation and against marriage equality, according to them. Now, he didn't actually vote against school desegregation. He voted against forced busing. That's not the same thing as desegregation. Forced integration and desegregation are not the same thing, legally speaking. But when he says that they, he voted against marriage, that's true. He voted in favor of traditional marriage. He voted in favor of, of the, I, I believe in the 1990s, the Defense of Marriage Act. So in any case, the, the, Joe Biden, the Joe Biden record will be up for debate here among Democrats. Now, here's the thing. In a, if we just went straight to the general election, you'd have to favor Joe Biden. He'd be the odds-on favorite against Donald Trump. In a primary, however, Joe Biden occupies the space that Donald Trump occupied. So in a, in a primary space, Joe Biden basically is Trump. Trump, in the general, is this larger-than-life figure who is the incumbent, and the referendum is going to be on him. That's at least the Democratic theory. In the Democratic primaries, Biden is the larger-than-life figure, and all of the focus is going to be on him. And the problem for Joe Biden is that he has never withstood focus well. Joe Biden has always failed to withstand the scars of battle. This is why he failed in 1988 and had to drop out over a plagiarism scandal. So Bernie Sanders is going to be the first person to go after Joe Biden, obviously, and Bernie's allies are preparing the fight. According to The Hill, Sanders has been more of a liberal, a liberal policy visionary, championing policies that were initially regarded by colleagues as fringe ideas. These concepts were later embraced by leading members of the Democratic caucus, such as raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour and providing free college education. Former colleagues describe Biden and Sanders as polar opposites in terms of personalities and interacting with fellow senators. Biden, 76, is gregarious and sociable. He was always eager to work a room, strike up a friendly conversation, or reassure a colleague who was feeling down. A retail politician to his core, Biden always wanted to know what was on his fellow senator's mind. Sanders, by contrast, was focused on policy, often so wrapped up in his thoughts he seemed oblivious to his colleagues. He was seen as consumed by ambitious plans to fight wealth inequality and push the national debate to the left, but uninterested in the personal lives of fellow senators. Who do you think the base is going to resonate to? If you hate Trump, like despise Trump, if you're a Trump hater, who do you think you're going to go for? Joe Biden, a guy who's kind of amiable, but not necessarily as hard-edged, or Bernie Sanders, who's going to yell and scream and rant and rave about Donald Trump, or Kamala Harris, who's a prosecutor. Democrats have a lot of choices in these primaries. I'm not sure that Joe Biden stands up to scrutiny. That's a very conservative campaign launch video. And frankly, I'm sort of astonished that's the direction that he went, especially because he's now going to have to defend his record. Senator Dianne Feinstein has already come out and said that Biden would have handled the Clarence Thomas Anita Hill hearings differently if he could do it all over again. He's going to spend the first month of his campaign apologizing for his entire record. That's what Joe Biden is going to do. Is that a solid launch strategy? Basically, the only reason he's famous is the reason he's going to be apologizing. I don't see this as, as working well for Biden. I think he's going to launch. He'll be strong at launch. And then it's all downhill from there. Okay, in just a second. We're going to get to more on Joe Biden, how the other Democrats are reacting, where things stand right now. But first, it can be a little frustrating, I know, especially if you're in a hurry or you're running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. I know it takes forever and it feels like the, the arms of the, of the railway crossing come down and then you're just sitting there for 35 minutes waiting for the train to pass. If the signals are going and the train is not even there yet, sometimes you might feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Do not do this. Do not do this. Don't try to outrun a train, guys. Trains are going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they cannot stop. Even if an engineer hits the brakes right away seeing it coming, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you 
is not you anymore. The point is, you don't know how quickly the train is going to arrive. So please, for the love of Pete, sit there and wait. Don't be stupid. The train can't stop even if it sees you, and the results could be your doom. So if the signals are on, the train is on its way, you need to just remember one thing. You need to stop. The train cannot. Okay, this is, I, I know. It sounds like an obvious message, but it's something that some people are missing. Okay, just stop. Don't try to outrun a train, guys. Bad, bad idea. You're not Superman. Just stop and wait. Okay, so in a second, we'll get to the other Democratic candidates, and we'll show how all of the canon are now going to train on Joe Biden. But first, you're going to have to go and subscribe. For $9.99 a month, you can get a subscription to DailyWire.com. When you do, you get the rest of our show live. You get the rest of the Andrew Clavin show live, the rest of the Michael Moles show live, the rest of the Matt Walsh show live. You also get two additional hours of us every day. Well, at least next week when I will be back on duty full time. You get all of those wonders. You get to correspond with me in the mailbag. Also, you get our Sunday special on Saturday. This week, we have Ali Stuckey, the host of Relatable on Blaze TV. Allie's a wonder, a conservative millennial. I'm sure you've seen her stuff. She's on our Sunday special this week. You can get that on Saturday. If you're interested, here's what that sounded like. Unfortunately, kids are seen as this kind of accessory that it, they're a burden to uh, the rest of your life. And I just hope there are women who can wake up and realize, you know, I, I'm not enough. I don't have it all in myself to make sure that I'm fulfilled and satisfied. I actually have to give of myself in order to do that. Alrighty, so you can go check that out and get it on Saturday when you're a subscriber. Also, check us out at YouTube or iTunes. First of all, I want to thank everybody. We are apparently the number two podcast in America, like among all podcasts for the last month. We can make ourselves number one, so tell all of your friends about it. Go check us out at YouTube or iTunes. Download it. Leave us a review. We always appreciate it. We're the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so Joe Biden's launch video... It seems like it's being fairly well received by members of the media, but it's very early as of yet. There are already some of the base members of the Democratic Party who are getting upset, not just the just the justice Democrats, people like Bakari Sellers. So Bakari Bakari Sellers came out on Twitter and he immediately started slapping Joe Biden for his criminal justice record. He was the CNN commentator. He says, Joe Biden, you are the author of the 94 crime bill. It's champion. It's number one cheerleader. This bill has led to mass incarceration and specifically targeted black and brown people. What are your plans to unravel the damage you helped to cause? Without Barack Obama endorsing Joe Biden, this will be the lead point of attack for people like Kamala Harris, who is already fundraising over Biden's entry into the race, saying she welcomes him there. It'll be a fun debate. Also, she needs money. The problem for Joe Biden is that if you take away his support in the minority community, he's running behind Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden is earning outside support from the black community right now. In fact, he's earning a plurality of the black vote right now in polling data. If that starts to chip away, and that will be the first area where people seek to attack him, if that starts to bleed away to a combination of Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, both of whom have to train themselves on Joe Biden, it's going to be a problem for Joe Biden. Meanwhile, like right now, as I say, right now, Biden is popular. Like by polling number, women are st- women still like Biden. Black folks still like Biden. I wonder if that's the story two months from now. And the real reason, of course, that Joe Biden is doing well is because if you look at Democratic polls, one of the things that you see is that the number one priority is defeating Trump, and they think that he is the most electable. They're trying to forecast his electability versus President Trump. Well, over time, as attacks start to mount up against him, and if Donald Trump starts to hit him, that could change. You can see that, that Donald Trump is already lowering his boom on Joe Biden. He tweeted out early this morning about Joe Biden. He said, welcome to the race, Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe. 
I only hope you have the intelligence long in doubt to wage a successful primary campaign. It will be nasty. You'll be dealing with people who truly have some very sick and demented ideas. But if you make it, I will see you at the starting gate. So there's the president welcoming Joe Biden to the race. I have to say, not super happy with Sleepy Joe as a moniker. I'm not, it's, it's, it really does lack. Like there, there's some that have really had pizzazz. Like Sloppy Steve was really good about Steve Bannon. And of course, Creepy Joe is right there for the taking. In fact, Creepy Joe is already trending on Twitter, even though Trump didn't use it. There are a bunch of, of crazy Joe, right? Like there, there's plenty of, of Trump's favorite adjectives you could use to describe Joe Biden. I'm not sure why sleepy is the thing, as though it's a contest of energy. Now, I know that, that Biden is trying to appear sober, but the fact is that for a man his age, dude has pretty good energy level. So I'm not sure that that's a, a winning moniker. Better moniker is necessary, Mr. President. So let's go back to the drawing board. Again, the major draw for Biden is that Democrats think he can beat Trump by polling data that obviously appears to be a not implausible case. You're seeing the only other Democrat in the race who realizes this is apparently Pete Buttigieg, is that electability matters. So Pete Buttigieg is attacking Bernie Sanders. He says Bernie Sanders can't win. And that's why you shouldn't vote for Bernie Sanders. Now, I think that he is probably right, but I don't think that those votes then turn to Pete Buttigieg, a mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who has fewer constituents than I have family members. In any case, here's Pete Buttigieg suggesting that, so Pete Buttigieg suggested that he doesn't think that Bernie can win a general election. So vote for me. He said, quote, I have a hard time seeing the coalition ultimately coming together there. He said that people are refreshed by the novelty and boldness of Sanders' idea, but they're now less excited. So Buttigieg is, is trying to go after Bernie and savage his vote. I'm surprised that Buttigieg has not gone after Biden. I think he will. I think he will. And the beneficiary, by the way, will be Bernie Sanders. By polling data, if people don't vote for Biden, who is their second choice? Bernie Sanders. Now, the rest of the Democratic Party is trying desperately to gain attention from a media that is struggling to keep up with the vast number of Democrats who are running. Elizabeth Warren trying to grab attention. She went to some sort of women in politics event where she suggested, of course, that black women are dying in childbirth more often because of racism in the medical industry, even though she has suggested no solutions to said racism in the medical industry. And even though the vast majority of female death in childbirth is due to low birth weight or pre-existing health problems. She's immediately going to label the entire health industry racist based on something. Here she is doing that routine in a desperate search for attention. While countries around the world have had more and more mothers surviving childbirth, here in the United States, we're one of only a handful of countries where it's actually gone down. And there is a specific problem, as you rightly identify, for women of color who are three to four times more likely to uh, die in childbirth. And here's the thing. Even after we do the adjustments for income, for education, this is true across the board. Okay, well, that may be true across the board. You know where else it's true? In Europe. So she just contrasted America's birth rates and death rates with European birth rates and death rates. You know what's true? In Europe, black women die at a higher rate in childbirth. Minority women die at a higher rate in childbirth than white women do in Europe as well. So that may suggest that the problem does not lie with American-style racism in particular, but she's trying to make a headline. And hey, more power to her. All the Democrats are trying to make a headline. Beto is trying to make a headline as well. In a second, we're going to get to the rest of the Democrats at the She the People convention. She the People. Okay, anyway, Beto desperately seeking attention. Too bad it's all been stolen by Pete Buttigieg. Here's Beto talking about, we need an equal rights amendment because my hands won't stop moving, brah. A minimum wage is not going to be enough, especially when it comes 
to women of color. Women alone in this country are paid 80 cents on average what a man is paid for the same job, but African-American women, 61 cents of what a man is paid. Latinas, 53 cents of what a man is paid. We also need an equal rights amendment ratified in this country so that no woman can be discriminated against on any basis whatsoever. Pandering and pandering and lies and pandering. Hispanic women are not making 53 cents on the dollar. Black women are not making whatever it was, 60 cents on the dollar. None of this is true. And when you remove all of the confounds, people are basically making what people make. But Beto is pandering too. Kamala Harris is in the pandering business. See, here's the thing about Joe Biden. If he can stick with his original campaign plan, if he can stick with the moderation and the non-pandering, not only do I think that he runs the gamut in the primary, I think he wins the nomination. I think he wins the nomination. I think he's a very strong candidate for the presidency. I think that if he campaigns as a moderate and he's able to withstand the pressure, it'll be fine. But I don't know that he can do that because he's got the entire Democratic Party like a pack of hyenas savaging him from every side coming up. You just wait for it. By the end of the weekend, this will be the message because the Democrats are too busy savaging each other. This is the entertaining part of the primaries for Republicans. Listen to Kamala Harris talking about how we need to let young people who sold weed off the off the chain from prison. They shouldn't be in prison anymore. And they should actually be at the front of the line to get jobs in the weed dispensaries. This is such an amazingly stupid case. And Kamala Harris is a former prosecutor running away from her own record. My goodness, these people are bad at their jobs. A lot of the people who historically were arrested for drug for marijuana sales were young men, young men of color. Now, this is one of the fastest growing money making industries in our country. And the very young men who who were trying to make money doing the same thing but got criminalized and have, have now been branded felons for life are excluded from the economic opportunities that are now available because of this new industry. So part of what has to happen is there have to be policies in place that look at the background and actually do the work of saying that some of those young men should be first in line to get the jobs that are available. Okay, and the big cheers that go up from the radical left for this idiotic proposal. Two questions. One, who put those people in prison, Kamala? You're a prosecutor. Who put those people in prison? Two, I don't think the reason that people went into the weed, disp- the weed dispensing business when it was illegal in the state of California, I don't think they did that because they were just young entrepreneurs who were looking for a new way to break into a growing business. I think they knew it was an easy way to make money because it turns out that people who commit crimes of one type are very likely to have committed crimes of another type. The same people, this is like saying that everybody who ran booze during prohibition, those would definitely be be the best bartenders. Or maybe they were criminals and they were using the facts that booze was illegal as a way to make money. And if they cannot make money at a weed dispensary in the same way they were dealing weed, they will find another way to make money. It's just, it's so silly. But I get, this is the new Democratic Party. Cory Booker doing the pandering routine as well. He says he'll have a female running mate. I always find this highly amusing when men say, I love women so much that I will have a female running mate. I love women so much that I need a woman to be subservient to me on my ticket. I think that women deserve political power so much that I, a man, should have the most political power and a woman can have the warm bucket of spit job. Here's Cory Booker with his crazy eyes making that case. Would you pledge to have a woman running mate? Uh, the question, if you didn't hear it, is why I pledge to have a woman running mate. I will have a woman running mate. To me, it's really clear that we do that. Yay. Okay, fine. So why don't you drop out and endorse Kristen Gillibrand? You think women should have more power? I have a very easy way to make this happen. Just drop out and endorse Kamala Harris. It's pretty amazing. Now, as I mentioned before, 
Joe Biden is campaigning on the basis that Democrats have the moral high ground in America because of President Trump. Here's Cory Booker blowing up that, that moral high ground, suggesting that Ilhan Omar is a wonderful, wonderful woman and that all attacks on her are reprehensible. The criticisms of Congresswoman Omar, what Donald Trump has been saying about her is reprehensible. It is trafficking in Islamophobia and it should be condemned by everyone. This kind of selective condemnation should be a chorus of people condemning. Okay, now do Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitism. So if you criticize Ilhan Omar, this makes you an Islamophobe. If Ilhan Omar says the Jews are in control of everything, then that is fine. And the Democrat, this is the new Democratic Party. This is the new Democratic Party. At least this is what the politicians think the new Democratic Party is. Now, maybe Joe Biden runs for that silent majority of Democrats who exist in polls. May not be the primary voters, may not be the people who get out and knock on doors, but maybe waiting in the wings for a quote unquote moderate Democrat to take the lead. Maybe. And there's a good record of this, by the way. If Joe Biden is willing to bet on this, there's a good record of this in the primaries. In 2000, Al Gore won as the centrist candidate. In 2004, John Kerry was the centrist candidate. In 2008, Barack Obama was a centrist candidate. In 2016, Hillary Clinton was the centrist candidate versus Bernie Sanders. There's room for the centrist candidate. But will it be Joe Biden amidst this bevy of jackals? I have my doubts, especially with a media that is not truly thrilled with the idea of a Joe Biden presidency. Let's be real about the media. They're in it for the excitement. Hey, they're on a cocaine high with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is headlines every day. He's circulation every day. Do you think that the media are really that interested in Sleepy Joe going up against Donald Trump? Or would they prefer Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or somebody new and exciting and fun to go up against Donald Trump? Again, I think that this is, let's give Joe Biden credit where credit is due. This is going to be the best day of his campaign. And then the day will be over and we will all move on with our lives. And Joe Biden will become the lead target of the attacks from all of these people who are so hysterical for attention, they're willing to endorse any proposal. You think they're going to hold back when it comes to Joe Biden? I have my doubts. Okay, time for a thing I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So Bernie Marcus is the founder of Home Depot. He has a pretty inspiring personal story. Bernie Marcus basically made himself from, from not much and now runs one of the great corporations in the United States. He cut a video defending capitalism. I know. It's amazing that we now live in this time and place, but Bernie Marcus defending capitalism is now controversial. So here's Bernie Marcus doing just that. The free market system has been the biggest creator of wealth and prosperity the world has ever known, lifting billions of people out of poverty and far more superior than any government program could ever be. That's why it pains me to see people in this country glorifying socialism, young people especially, have been indoctrinated into believing that free enterprise is immoral because it enriches the greedy and depresses the poor. While some may say socialism is well-intentioned, the fact is it robs people of their independence, their dignity, and their finances leading to government dependence, suppression of ideas, and lower standards of living for those under its thumb. Okay, this is exactly right. Now, it's amazing. Bernie Marcus will be considered a member of the white privileged class. He was born to Russian Jewish immigrant parents in Newark, New Jersey. He grew up in a tenement. He graduated high school in 1947. He actually wanted to become a doctor, but didn't have the money to do it. So instead, he ended up working for his dad as a cabinet maker. And then he studied at Rutgers for a pharmacy degree. He worked in a drugstore as a pharmacist. And then he started working at a cosmetics company. Eventually, he became the CEO of Handy Dan Improvement Centers, which was a L.A.-based chain of home improvement stores. And then he decided 
after he was fired to open Home Depot. So this is a guy who basically worked his way through the system from nothing, not even being able to afford tuition to become a doctor. Okay, that's a pretty great story of capitalism. Capitalism is full of those sorts of wonderful stories. And the fact that the Democrats refuse to embrace those stories is pretty telling and pretty terrible. So we'll see if Joe Biden has the, has the courage of his convictions to embrace capitalism. We'll find out. Hillary Clinton said that her embrace of capitalism probably cost her the Bernie voters. We'll see if Joe Biden has the same problem. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So speaking of Hillary Clinton, she just won't leave. If you're a Democrat, you have to be thinking, why? Why are you still here? Why are you hanging around? You, you were supposed to win. You didn't win. Go away. Now she has an editorial, an op-ed in the Washington Post. So they had Adam Schiff yesterday and Hillary Clinton today. Just stellar work, everybody, at the Washington Post, in which she talks about the Mueller case. And she says, our election was corrupted, our democracy assaulted, our sovereignty and security violated. This is the definitive conclusion of Special Counsel Robert Mueller's report. It documents a serious crime against the American people. The debate about how to respond to Russia's sweeping and systematic attack and how to hold President Trump accountable for obstructing the investigation and possibly breaking the law has been reduced to a false choice, immediate impeachment or nothing. History suggests there's a better way to think about the choices ahead. This is her trying to defend the fact that she blew the most winnable election in the history of America. And she blew this thing. And that is because she was a terrible candidate who did a terrible job. End of story. I also love the idea that it was Russia's sweeping and systematic attack that led to her loss. Wait, who was president when that was happening? I forget now. Who, who, was, who was the president? Oh, yeah, it was Barack Obama. What do you do about it? Did he stop the sweeping systematic attack on our elections during the, during the campaign cycle? Or did he merely unleash people to investigate Donald Trump in what turned out to be a giant wild goose chase? What? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Hillary says, obviously, this is personal for me. Some may say I'm not the right messenger. But my perspective is not just that of a former candidate and the target of the Russian plot. I am also a former senator and secretary of state who served during much of Vladimir Putin's ascent, sat across the table from him and knows firsthand that he seeks to weaken our country. Weird, didn't you hand him a reset button and then allow him to invade Crimea? I, that, that was weird. I, I remember you being there, Hillary Clinton. I remember you and the rest of your Democratic Party mocking Mitt Romney when he said that Vladimir Putin was our number one geopolitical foe. I recall all of that, but it's personal for her now once she loses. And she goes on like this, complaining about the fact that she lost the election. Oh, it's because of the Russians, because of the Russians. Again, the Russians did seek to interfere in the election. They interfered in a couple of different ways. The biggest way they interfered was by using the Guccifer 2.0 front in order to hack John Podesta's emails. But that was a bed that Hillary made and then lay in. Hillary was the one who decided that she was going to shield her emails via non-classified servers. That was, that, was a, that was a Hillary Clinton problem. And as far as the John Podesta emails, yeah, that created some bad headlines for Hillary Clinton. She could have outlasted those if she'd been anything remotely looking like a decent candidate, but she simply was not. She says, by the way, that the solution to all of this is that we need clear-eyed patriotism. We have to blame Republicans. Also, Congress should hold more hearings. Hearings would be good. And finally, she says that the, the issue is not just the president's possible obstruction of justice. It's our national security. And the president is not taking this stuff seriously enough. We need someone who will. So who is that? Joe Biden? Again, Obama was president when all this was going down. Okay, final thing that I hate today. So Taraji Henson and Terrence Howard are now telling both Disney and Fox that they want Jussie Smollett to be brought back for Empire's next season. Now, I don't watch Empire, so frankly, I don't care. And if this is how they want to sync their show, you're welcome to it. If you want to have on race hoaxer Jussie Smollett, go for it. What will happen is that the first two episodes will have massive ratings and then there'll be a serious drop off as people realize 
they can't watch a guy who was involved in beating himself up. That that's not a thing they want to do. But the fact that actors think that they can dictate to Disney how that series is going to get cast, sure, enjoy that. See how that works for you. Okay, well, it is the weekend for me. Tomorrow, there will be more Ben Shapiro show, but it will not be hosted by me. It will be hosted by, I believe, Jason Rance today and Jason Rance tomorrow as well. So you can check out our radio show tomorrow. So enjoy that. In the meantime, I'm going to be celebrating the rest of my Passover holiday. And then I will be back here on Monday where I will be here for all three hours of the show. Podcast, the additional two hours. So go subscribe now. Now's a great time to do it. And we'll see you then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. I'm Michael Knowles, host of The Michael Knowles Show. Joe Biden is in, and according to Morning Consult, he opens with an eight-point lead, not just over his Democrat opponents, but over President Trump himself. We will analyze 2020, then the mailbag. Check it out at dailywire.com. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.